Support for this podcast is provided by Paradox, the conversational AI company helping global talent acquisition teams at Unilever, McDonald's and CVS Health get recruiting work done faster. Let's face it, talent acquisition is full of boring administrative tasks that drag the hiring process down and create frustrating experiences for everyone. Paradox's AI assistant, Olivia, is shaking up that paradigm, automating things like applicant screening, interview scheduling, and candidate Q&A, so recruiters can spend more time with people, not software. Curious how Olivia can work for your team? Then visit paradox.ai to learn more. There's been more of scientific discovery more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 513 of the Recruiting Future podcast. One of the biggest challenges of remote and hybrid working is the lack of face-to-face connection that humans need to be fully engaged and productive. This is always one of the main arguments for employers attempting to return their workers to the office. However, the advantages of remote and hybrid working are considerable, and forcing people to work five days a week back in an office isn't necessarily the best way of dealing with the challenges. So what can employers do to foster a sense of connection, belonging and engagement and provide the scaffolding for high-performing teams? My guest this week is Sophie Bailey, co-founder and CEO of Worktrip. Worktrip is an Airbnb for business offsites, and Sophie has some hugely valuable insights to share on supercharging connection, creativity, and culture. Hi, Sophie, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Matt. It's great to be here. An absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Please could you introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my name is Sophie Bailey, and I'm the co-founder of Worktrip. And uh, what what I do, so um, Worktrip is an Airbnb for team offsites to supercharge connection, creativity and culture in our new world of work. Um, so what does that all mean? Well, our vision is to help all teams to get together, enjoy work and be productive. And our mission is to write the balance from what we see as the sort of pure hyper efficiency of this new world of work to providing the scaffolding and the conditions for high performing teams. So uh, many of those things that your listeners will have heard about. So psychological safety, trust, motivation and engagement. So, yeah, that's a little bit about me and absolutely brilliant to be here. Well, fantastic. And uh, so many topics to explore there. Before we kind of dive in, let's sort of get back to the basics of all of this. So we've had three amazing, unprecedented years where the way that lots of people work have changed. You know, lots of people working remotely, lots of people working hybrid. Why is person-to-person, face-to-face human connection so important when it comes to work? Yeah, I mean... I love that you talked about that sort of mainstream shift now to to hybrid. And we know from, um, you know, whether it's recruiting platforms uh, or other data that, you know, we are really settling into that hybrid mode. So I I definitely think we're still 
haven't sort of got the panacea of how we're going to work, but um, there is a definite appetite for this autonomy and connection that people want. Um, you know, and that's something that is fantastic in so many ways. So, you know, I've benefited myself from working remotely for over seven years and it's allowed me to live where I want and to, uh, you know, do all those things that I sort of the, the richness of life is is far greater as a result. But for companies and teams, um, when that uh, experiment is uh, sort of rolled out at scale, there are some challenges. And so I think there's a really brilliant opportunity now to to kind of think about you know, how we reinvent how we work so that it allows for all of those benefits, but also, um, you know, smooths off some of the rough uh, edges of remote work as well. So to go back to your question, uh, you know, why is it important uh, sort of face to face and to really nurture human connection? It really comes down to this problem of disengagement. So, you know, disengagement has always been a problem at work. But in this kind of new world of work, this is really sort of now quite an acute issue. So um, to put this into uh, financial terms, this is hurting businesses and teams to the tune of nearly eight trillion US dollars. And this is through absenteeism, staff turnover and poor innovation. And for any of your listeners that have uh, delved into the Gallup State of the Global Workplace report, um, the latest one was in 2022. It's pretty damning reading. So um, disengaged employees have a 37% increased rate of absenteeism. Those who have this greater absenteeism have 15% lower profitability. And the average cost per employee is around two, uh, $2,200. And if you extrapolate that to a team of 250, disengaged employees are costing over $500,000. So like this basically doesn't even um, account for the, the the kind of human cost of that sort of stress, lack of belonging, could be depression and, you know, and definitely is loneliness. So we know there's a loneliness endemic at work. And in the UK, we have the all parliamentary uh, party group working on exactly that. And uh, all of this adds up to, you know, uh, a not great uh, situation for teams, for innovation, for our sort of um, collective human endeavour and and for our businesses as well. So the issues you described have sort of been, you know, described extensively in the media. They're, they're in a lot of the conversations that we're having and they're, they're being used by some businesses and some managers as a reason why everyone just needs to get back to the office and pretend the last three years hasn't happened and get work back to where it to where it used to be obviously if you do that then you're losing all of the benefits that we talked about right at the beginning so there has to be another way there has to be another way of looking at looking at this issue how can we make that human face-to-face connection happen while kind of remaining hybrid and remote without having to get everyone back to the office and rewind and pretend it's still 2019? Definitely. And, um, you know, I think we get very excited about this sort of third way and not falling into this sort of um, dichotomy of office first or remote first, which you know, whenever you kind of simplify things um, to that level, there's usually the alarm bell should go off. And so we think, you know, there is this this mix. And also the, the reality is that, you know, the complexity of teams, the complexity of the 
the people that make up those teams means that you're never going to settle into this one mode and it will always be a mix and a spectrum and kind of finding that sweet spot as a result. Um, You know, my answer before was all the bad stuff. I guess if we go back to that human connection and, and, and what's positive that, you know, we know human connection really matters um, and we can do some of this stuff remotely and that's fantastic and very productive but where possible, sort of face-to-face really dials up certain elements of, 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 of our kind of working lives. So for us, this is providing sort of both the physical space, but also the, the sort of um, the, the, the space and the calendar for sort of deep engagement. So like I talked about, you know, um, remote is amazing at um, cutting out all of the sort of wasted time of uh, meetings that you don't need to be in, of commuting. Um, but it can it can be uh, quite individualistic. So you're sort of working through your tasks and, you know, it's harder to have that that kind of spontaneous uh, sort of group, uh, very fast paced back to back sort of ideation stuff. And so for us, we want to try and help teams to create that sort of scaffolding that provides space for the longer term thinking is perhaps more based around uh, nurturing team performance and we know this really matters. So, you know, there was a, a recent McKinsey report, uh, not for want of, um, you know, <laughs> overusing McKinsey as a, as a kind of reference point, but it was really interesting because it was all around um, psychological safety. And their point in this recent report was that, you know, teams generally don't do enough work on psychological safety, even though we, we know it's sort of precursor to team success and for them there's this really interesting quote where they say you know invest in leadership development experiences that are emotional sensory and create aha moments and learning experiences that are immersive and engaging are remembered more clearly and for a longer time so there's this this element of when you can bring people together and you do it in a very memorable way uh so not a boring hotel room down the road from the office but you know, in a really considered way and really thinking about the needs specifically of your team that you can create the sort of underpinnings of success in the longer term and especially when everyone's then distributed again. The, the second point is is really around creative ideation. So um, there was a Stanford um, experiment by a bunch of researchers and they found that in-person teams generated about 15% more ideas than virtual teams. Um, and so for creative collaboration and ideation, you know, being together is really important. And the point is, is that, you know, offices are great, but for the most part, they're not necessarily that space where, um, you know, we're we're really allowing for a different set of thinking. Too often people go back to the office and it's like, you know, plug in and and crack on with some uh, more Zoom calls or Teams calls. And so our whole thing is about encouraging people to A, think about why they're getting together and then be where they're getting together and with which specialist support as well. So yeah, so that's a little bit about, you know, potentially for us, it's it's not one or the other. It's, um, you know, working in these, the best of online, the best of remote, but also then when you're getting together, you know, make the most of your natural environment, make the most of the fact that you can think in a different mode than that kind of like reactive and, and very task-driven way of doing things as well. So which companies do this well and what is it that they do? Yeah, I mean, well, 
unsurprisingly is that there's uh, this sort of suits like the big tech companies or scale ups quite well. Um, so in terms of household names, um, one of our advisors, Q Hamarani, it, he is the uh, the person that basically came up with um, Airbnb's work from anywhere policy. Um, and a crucial part of that policy was meeting quarterly. So, you know, have a very flexible way of working, but come together quarterly to, to kind of really nurture that in-person connection. And, you know, that that policy was hugely popular. I think 800,000 people looked at the recruitment page when it went up. An alternative version of that was um, when Salesforce talked about, you know, they, they put a, a whole load of money into the Salesforce ranch, which was this like beautiful campus to bring everyone together, you know, and then again, like work um, flexibly. Dropbox, uh, there's a really interesting article about how they were using offsites to increase the retention of their top talent and that's been very successful and then another one that people probably have seen doing the rounds on LinkedIn is um, Shopify so they talked about you know cancelling all meetings over a certain number of people being involved in them really reducing the meetings and and then using they use offsites uh, again to to kind of drive the the trust element that sort of oils the wheels of if you're working in a in a remote way you kind of then need to build that sense of different personalities and what motivates people and all of those kind of things I mean outside of those names I think sector wise uh you know we're chatting to lots of companies in the fintech sector because a lot of those companies are really high growth um they tend to work either in a hybrid or fully remote way and they're kind of meeting quarterly um to sort of keep keep that company culture and engagement together as the company scales. Um, and then just very quickly, NGOs, so philanthropic organisations, this has been part of the fabric of how they work for a long time. So they are very well versed in using offsites to convene their stakeholders. So what we hope to do with with, um, with that sector is just to help them continue to find really brilliant facilitators and coaches and memorable venues and keep that um, kind of fresh and engaging as well. A quick message from our sponsor, Winolo. Hi everyone, I want to tell you about Winolo. That's W-O-N-O-L-O. Winolo stands for Work Now Locally. Winolo enables businesses to find quality workers for on-demand, seasonal, short-term and long-term work. Ditch the bulky paperwork and interview process and use Winolo to find quality workers fast and get work done even faster. With flexible workers and no platform fees, you can save on operating costs, meet demand and maximise earnings with ease. Winolo is available in over 100 markets, including Chicago, Dallas, Atlanta, New York and Seattle. Get workers who are ready to work and spend less time finding them with Winolo. Go to www.winolo.com slash pod. That's www.wonolo.com slash pod and take the stress out of finding workers. That's really, really interesting stuff and very 
interested to hear how the you know the offsite meetings are evolving because back when I had a proper job, which was quite some time ago, my experiences of offsite was was very mixed. Either we went to a hotel, we were in a meeting room with no windows, and it just meant we could start earlier and stay later because we're all staying in the same all staying in the same building, or if something was a bit more structured that you know doing crazy things like you know climbing up ropes and cliffs and outdoor pursuits which which never really kind of connected to what we were uh you know what we were kind of thinking about so you know i I think that you know many many companies have sort of done these in the in the past and perhaps not got the full benefit out of them what makes for a good off-site what are the key elements and what would your advice be to companies to do this successfully yeah, exactly. So, you know, this is kind of why I set up WorkTrip, to be honest. So my background, the first 10 years of my career was in um, conceiving and delivering business to business technology events. So understanding the the needs of those different sectors and then creating these experiences around the world. Um, and through that, I I saw what was brilliant about convening people, usually when it was quite imaginatively done and and when it was exactly what you just described, which is this sort of sad strata of business person traveling around the world. They could literally be anywhere because the conference um, hotels that generally are chosen are quite generic. And in this new world of work where employee engagement and branding and positioning of companies is so crucial because it's so easy to switch jobs that doesn't cut it anymore so that's the first thing is just you know that experience just isn't good enough the next seven years of my career I dedicated to uh, educational technology and understanding kind of the innovation that's happening in education how we learn and that's kind of like gone from pure optimization through technology so learning more and more and more content how do we do that to a greater sophisticated understanding of us as humans and our intrinsic motivations and uh how we learn and and, and what our limiting factors are and things like that and i think those two things combined you know um was the driver behind work trip and so f- for me i'm passionate that Offsites aren't just about booking a box and filling it with people. It's not just about aligning the budget and a logistics problem. It should absolutely be about, um, you know, nurturing in in a very mindful way the talent in our, in our organisations and providing them the environment that they can um, connect with one another, that they can learn, that they have this proximity to leadership, and that. Yeah, th- this is 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 now like a kind of business critical thing. And when I looked at the market um, and the experience, it was it was exactly what you described, like very woefully underserved. So the worst excesses of that being, you know, hen and stag do websites with a little corporate tag. And because of the kind of critical nature of us connecting as teams now, and we know that you know, our our problems that we're trying to solve are very interconnected. So developing, you know, um, the the, the kind of different disciplines of teams is super important, ever more so. So that's the kind of driver behind it. What makes for a good offsite? Well, one is, uh, you know, as you would have heard people talking about why you're going back into the office, really start with the intention. What is the purpose of bringing everyone together? Is it just about connection or is it about, you know, creative ideation? Is it about 
getting marketing and the product team to work better together, like really think about what is the purpose. That leads me into, you know, too often we know we need to do these things, but again, we're sort of like, oh, it's in a month, right, we better do something. So thinking longer term and thinking about it as a sort of flow of work you know, in and out of this um, in-person mode and then, you know, back at your desk and how do those two things work together? So quarterly, if you were to craft what those touch points were over the year, what does that look like? And as a result, like which external expertise, be that, you know, an executive coach or a facilitator, a workshop or a speaker, do you want to bring in to really develop those connections between and across your teams? So thinking about it more than a and a one-off event as into a, a kind of scheme of work over the whole year. I've talked about not starting with logistics because that's the temptation is like, we've got a logistical problem, let's book a venue. And then we're quite very passionate about environment. So we have this campaign against boring venues and we're very passionate about the uh, environment that teams choose. And we, in our in our platform, all of the venues that we put forward are pretty much um, in a natural environment. <clears throat> that doesn't mean they're not, they're not uh, convenient. They're quite often close to um, a city hub, but actually you remove the ten- temptation to think about going back home, going to the office. And actually it's about like really being, being there and, and sort of underpinning that connection time as well. And then just really quickly, um, and I think most of your listeners will know this, do not overpack the program. So going back to your point of, you know, either it being, yeah, like so so um, scripted that you feel, um, you do not want your employees to feel held captive. So it's about having options and it's about recognising the different uh, adventurousness on your team and, you know, perhaps having some options which are about self-development or some options which are about like having, um, you know, being able to connect with your team, doing different experiences, but not mandating all the time and allowing some just free time for people to to really pick that up. Yeah. So, I mean, one thing that came up in our research last year was that, you know, the typical mode would be a COO sort of uh, droning on to everyone um, and doing lots of workshops and then and then basically everyone getting drunk. And, you know, one of the trends that we know about is that our younger people in the workforce, they really, they really are hungry for self-development. They perhaps went to university work, you know, it, doing a lot of that learning online and then went straight into the workplace in a remote mode. And they don't have necessarily all those kind of social uh, proximity to, to leadership moments that we had. So um, creating and thinking about, you know, healthy food options for self-development and 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 kind of like a changing appetite uh, for what's included in offsites is quite important as well. So much of that resonates. And I think the thing that's particularly interesting for me is the kind of the relation to, for humans to their environment and how that, and how that shapes and drives behavior, you know, because I'm guessing if people are in a faceless, uh, you know, a windowless conference room that looks a bit like an office, they're going to be answering their phone and behaving pretty much like they would, would in an office or, or, or doing their work. But actually, a different environment creates that sort of different different behaviour and unlocks different types of thinking, I suppose. A hundred percent. I mean, there's so much research about, you know, for example, um, our, our ability to come up with cre- creative solutions after walking is like hugely improved and 
you know, it won't be a surprise to anyone listening to this about the effect of natural light on productivity, on well-being and um, our interrelations with other people. So those are things that we take really seriously when we're thinking about what kind of environments that we would offer up in work trip. And yeah, it's it's exactly that. And, and you know, we have this unique opportunity to to kind of reinvent that. So let's absolutely do that. And and actually the the research is there to show that there are huge benefits. So, you know, there's someone, Gary Pratt is one of our listings and he talks about, you know, being out and in in nature and walking is sort of like a very cost-effective way of coming up with lots of great new ideas, you know. So it doesn't always have to be super expensive as well as the other thing. So final question. What do you think the future of work now looks like? How are hybrid and remote and all the things we do, how's it all going to evolve? Yeah, I mean, this is a really interesting question and obviously something that we we think about a lot. I really like, and I don't know if you've seen, but IDC's uh, view on the future of work. So there's lots of lots of things flying around out there, but um they talk about the future of work as fostering human machine collaboration. So enabling new skills and worker experiences and supporting a reimagined physical workplace and borderless digital workspace. And they talk about these three pillars being augmentation, culture and space. And interestingly, space uh, accounts for 60% as they see it of all future of work spending. And so my view on this having, um, listen to like over 250 uh and recorded and edited 250 episodes of the um edtech podcast and listen to people in this space and is is very much that you know automation is here it's coming and it will uh influence our working lives ever more and my view is that the most influential and high growth companies will channel that automation especially for very uh, repetitive task-driven activities but as a result they'll hugely invest and recognize the the kind of um, increasing sort of value of human creativity collaboration and social capital so you know there's no point in my view us trying to um, replicate and keep up with computing power like let's just park that one because it's just like not we're never going to compete in that in that level but what we can do is like use that to save us time you know and actually use that time to kind of really hone our true human creativity and the other thing that i think we'll see is a sort of continued unbundling of the traditional workplace so i think there will be a continued weakening of the tie between employer and employee uh so we you know we know we're all going to live older we're probably going to have a, a greater element of this uh portfolio career and you know i think freelancers are one of the fastest growing um employee base in in europe and um i think that's super interesting um and again hopefully allows us to kind of tap into the things that we really want to achieve in life rather than, you know, feeling that we have to be tied to, to one employer. And just finally, so you asked about the future of work. So we kind of talk about the future of teams at work trips. So 
again, the idea here is that, you know, the world is facing these so-called wicked problems and they're very interconnected. So whether that's um, the environment or, again, sort of automation, all these different things, they're very um, interconnected and complex. And as a result, we need to be mindful that when we're developing and our workplace cultures, that they aren't just channeling this kind of task-driven, individualistic approach, that they're also nurturing our ability as teams and our ability to kind of bring different problem solvers together. And so that's kind of, again, why we're really passionate about trying to create a sort of um, scaffolding for that to work uh, well, and which isn't 100% office first, isn't 100% purely remote but is sort of brings those those two elements um together in a in a kind of new form so yeah it's an exciting space and um you know uh I think I'm excited for I've got an eight-year-old and a two-year-old and I think actually like what a great opportunity hopefully they're gonna have to work in a different way and to make the most of their time so feeling optimistic about it all. Sophie thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you so much. Thanks, Matt. My thanks to Sophie. I'm very excited about attending Unleash at Caesars Forum in Vegas on the 25th through to the 27th of April. Please come and say hello if you're there and I'm going to be doing some podcasting from the expo floor. If you haven't yet got your ticket, if you go to unleash.ai slash unleash America, you can use the discount code recruiting future 20 att sh That's recruiting future 20-A-T-T-S-H to get a 20% discount. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter, Recruiting Future Feast, and get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time, and I hope you'll join me. This is my show. Uh, uh, uh.